Welcome to Intentionally Grounded and sponsored by GoRef, simplifying scout teams through simple and direct coach-to-player communication. Episode 23's guest is the head coach of Brookfield Central High School, Jed Kennedy. Coach Kennedy will take you through a single-wing philosophy background and install and unpack the coaching points that make it so successful. Coach will also discuss the personnel within the single wing, the methods for protecting their power run scheme, and the program and culture building strategies that have produced several state tournament teams. Coach Kennedy is one of the premier coaching minds in the single wing, and we were very grateful to have him on our program. Don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes. And please leave a review on one of our podcasting networks, such as iTunes or Stitcher, and help share and grow our program with others. Enjoy our latest guest, Coach Jed Kennedy. Coach, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, going into my fifth season as a head coach at Brookfield Central, um, this is actually the fifth school I've been at. was a head coach in uh, Florida for one year. Um, spent five seasons as a head coach at uh, Kenosha Bradford prior to that. Coach, you were born and raised in Wisconsin. Um, you talked a little bit just about being in Florida for a little bit. What prompted you to come back to the state of Wisconsin? Um, you know, we have two little girls, um, have family up here. And, uh, you know, it just kind of got to the point where when Brookfield Central's, you know, really one of the best jobs in the state when they had called me um, and had a chance to sit back and really look at the whole picture of where it was best for us as a family to be, um, you know, just – to be honest with you, the education that our kids get through the Elmbrook School District, it was just too hard to turn down. So, um, you know, as I know, jobs like, like Brookfield don't open a lot. So I uh, thought it was a great opportunity for my family, and, and it's been everything, if not better, than what I expected. Coach, one of the hallmarks of your programs over the past few years has been your single-wing offense, which is one of the reasons that really drew us to you. Uh, what factors went into the decision for you to commit to the single-wing? Um, back in 2010, um, you know, we had a player named Melvin Gordon played for us in Bradford. We were a, I was a long time flexible guy and we ran option. We had about inside veer, outside veer. And, uh, you know, I just thought that, that we kind of missed the opportunity to kind of have those predetermined plays to get it to a, you know, what would be a guy. And Melvin went on to graduate. And the following year, we had a kid named Vontae Jackson, who was a, a running back that had committed to the Badgers. And we thought that, you know, by putting in the single wing who I got from Rick Darlington, who's a really good friend of mine, that we ran it at a, as a package. And, um, well, Vontae ended up blowing his knee out the first game of the year. Um, we ended up winning a state title that year without, you know, Vontae on the field and really having the ability to run the single wing and the flex bone. Um, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't have it. And kind of as we've progressed um, as a program, we just, um, you know, when I came up here, you know, our quarterbacks hadn't taken a snap under center. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of think we'll always have a guy, um, you know, in the single wings built around having you know, that one player to direct snap to do that's going to carry it, you know, 30, 35 times a game. And, uh, you know, we, we just really didn't have a, a fullback. So kind of a combination of everything. And, um, you know, the thing I like about the single wing probably more than the flex bone right now is that, um, you know, for example, we probably have the best quarterback in the state right now. You know, last year he threw for, you know, I think, 2,500 yards. He had 29 touchdowns, two picks. We haven't changed our offense one bit. So we have the ability to throw it 35 times a game in the stuff we do. Um, yet, you know, three years prior to that, we threw it about five times a game. So we can run the same system and the same scheme, um, but not really um, have to switch it drastically from year to year. But yet we can kind of adapt to the different type of kids that we have. 
Coach, we've had other single wing guys on our show before, and um, talk about and you, and you kind of touched on Rick Darlington a little bit. He's known nationwide for his work with the single wing offense. Um, talk about what your version of the single wing looks like, and would you consider yourself a traditionalist when it comes to it, or, or are you outside the box with with how you operate? Oh, we're really outside the box if you watch us play. I mean, we um, you know, we we obviously have the basic single wing formation where we direct snap it, um, you know, and run you know power counter and sweep and all those base plays, you know. But we'll have you know, like I said, we'll you know bring our, our outside tackle over, get out of the unbalanced looks and be in almost like a true spread look, you know, and then we look very similar to like what Auburn does, you know, so I would say we're, we're very untraditional with, with kind of how we adapt it together. I mean, there's, like I said, there's been games where we haven't thrown it at all. And there's been games where we've thrown it, you know, 35 times a game. So it's, we've kind of adapted each year to what we have. And each year we add different motions and shifts and formations. Um, so I would say we're really far from being traditional. How important has the personnel been for you within the single wing? For example, what type of players are you looking for at various positions to maximize your offense's efficiency? Um, you know, a couple of things. You know, number one, you know, we're a, t- a full, you know, at Brookfield Central, we have, you know, about 1,200 kids. So, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to have enough kids in our program that we typically um, you know, are going to be two platoon, if not pretty close to it, maybe just have one or two kids that have to play the other side of the ball, um, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, 95% of our kids, um, our, our, our defense will get to pick the players that they want first. Um, you know, so for us, you know, I'm always going to pick the best skill kid. He's going to play tailback for us. And again, that's the kid that's going to have tons and tons of carries, um, you know, up front, you know, we can, you know, we're going to, and the great thing about the single wing is, you know, with the five offensive positions, we can really find five different type of offensive linemen, um, you know, that can play for that, that, that can play in the different spots. And, and like I said, back to our philosophies, our best kids playing defense, typically our best three offensive linemen are playing defensive linemen for us. So, um, you know, we can get away with some bigger, slower kids in some certain spots and some smaller, faster kids in some other spots. With your offense, power has obviously, you know, some of the cutups that we've seen has been a staple play for you. Um, talk about some of the teaching points with, you know, that you use to make the play successful, and then how many different ways do you run power in your offense? Yeah, we, um, you know, we run power, you know, I think last year we ran power, I think like 270 times or something like that. It was some, um, it was over 50% of our offensive snaps we ran power or some sort of variation. Last year we ran four variations of power. Um, you know, one thing where we're a little bit different in ours is a C-gap power, um, which which most wing people are. You know, most people when they hear power, they think A-gap power, you know, like the Wisconsin Badgers run or those types of folks. So we have kind of three variations out of what kind of front um, that we can see that we're going to run, and then we do run power read, um, you know, where we won't block the defensive end and we'll read, it, uh, we'll read that end. So we really got – four different variations we run and this year we're looking at a fifth one um that hits a little bit tighter for us so it's like i said when you're going to run power that many times you got to have different variations to handle the different um types of looks that you're going to see with as much as you do run power it's important to make sure that you can complement it and protect it throughout the game so what are some of the ways that you protect power within your offense and maybe what are some of your complementary plays off of that well, the big thing that, you know, we run, you know, sweep's really the second play that we run off of power, um, you know, and, and, and like I said, be, you know, that's the big complimentary play because, 
Um, you know, because we're a C-gap power, we can have the first three steps of the back um, that the backs take, have it look like we're running sweep, you know, and then freaking, um, and then simply, you know, cut and, uh, you know, make it a C-gap power look where we think we get people running side to side, you know. So that's our big, um, that's our big play. You know, and the other thing that, you know, that, that we can do off of it, if we think we get people keying our blocking back, um, you know, we can pull our blocking back opposite on power, which, you know, typically he's a kickout man. So we'll just have our lead block be the our, our lead blocker be the kickout. Um, the blocking back will pull opposite of the play, and then we still get the backside guard or the frontside linebacker. So, be, you know, when, when you run us when you run a direct snap offense, you pick up an extra blocker on every play. So it gives us the ability to kind of switch in, um, kind of switch out responsibilities, um, so we can still run that play yet take away people's keys that they're running on offense or on defense. Excuse me. Coach, just to kind of build on that a little bit, uh, you know, in where we're at here in southern Minnesota, we see a lot of defensive ends that that play wide of, of the guy at the end of the line of scrimmage, and they're trying to get upfield and rush the quarterback. How do people defend you? Uh, you know, I would say, you know, 90% of the time we don't ever see any defensive ends try to spill us to the outside. Uh, what do you guys see in Wisconsin and in your league? Um, you, know, you know, people like to spill. You know, the problem, you know, whether it's good or it's bad, I don't know, it's probably bad. Um, when you run something different like um, the single wing like we do, wh- what you see people do week to week, you know, if they're a 4-3 team or a 4-4 team or a 3-4 team, you're not always going to see that on Friday. You know, and obviously, you know, now that we're, you know, in our fifth year in this league and we've, you know, have played some of these people five, six, seven, even Brookfield East eight times you know, due to playoffs, you kind of have a pretty good eye of, idea of what people want to do. Um, you know, we, we, we do get some people that will still spill with the ends. Um, most people are going to, um, you know, run some sort of, some sort of hard force player that's going to box it and really try to prevent us from getting to the edge. Cause when we do that, our sweet play is a, is a pretty tough play to defend. So, you know, typically people are putting their best player at four at, at the, you know, strong outside force player, making him keep everything inside and, and trying to, you know, only have to defend, you know, five or six gaps rather than have to defend us from sideline to sideline. Coach, do you use a spin series within your single wing offense? Yes, we do. So with that spin series, what are some of the advantages to adding that to a single wing? And maybe what are some of your finer teaching points to make it successful? You know, I think the, um, you know, what it adds is, you know, the single wing's a deceptive offense. Like we, we, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, it's a direct snap defensive, or I should say deceptive thing. And it just, just adds another, another form of deception it lets us get the ball in different players hands on different plays um you know so for example if we're running you know just regular powers direct snap our tailback will carry it if we're running it out of the spin series um our quarterback's going to carry it you know most people call it the f but for us it's the q um we'll carry that play um you know it also helps us get into our because our if we're running a, a formation that's unbalanced to the right our quarterback will be on the right side by getting in the spin series it allows us to get it into the quarterback's hands um, when we go to throw the football. Um, and, and really the finer teaching points on the single wing that we use, you know, I think the, the, big mis- the, the big mistake I see when I watch other people that run it is they don't spin fast enough, you know, and, and the, 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 the spinner, you know, almost thinks he has to wait at times for the, the, the tailback to go through and the slot to come through. You know, the thing is that when you spin, you have to attack the line of scrimmage and continue to spin fast an attack downhill, um, and, and it's the job of the backs to get to the quarterback. So that, that, that's a big um, teaching point that we have with our kids. 
Coach, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about power, too. Do you change some of the run plays that you call depending on whether you're using the spin series or whether you're not? Well, the, the thing that you have is, is, is there's some plays that you can't run um, because you lose some blockers. For example, you know, the, the way we run sweep, you know, if, if, if we have some tags where our, you know, slot will, will have the force player, well, we're, if we're involved in a spin series, we can't run a sweep play because with that tag, because we would have nobody on the force. So we've, you know, our spin series is much smaller than our entire playbook. Um, there's some plays that we just don't like how they hit. Um, again, with that being said, there's some plays that we love how they hit, you know, and the thing that I've noticed with the spin series is, um, you know, now we've been fully invested in this since 2010. It, it's some years spin is really, really, really good for us. Some years it's just okay. Um, so, you know, we certainly work it and every year we've got it in our, in our back pocket to use. Um, and, and that's why, you know, our, our kids run this system all the way down in the youth program, you know, so for us, you know, it's not like, you know, when they get to us and it's a Friday, you know, it's, it, it's week three that, you know, our, the only time they've run single wing spin series is that season with me and varsity. They've our freshman run it, our JV runs it, our varsity runs it, you know, our youth kids run it. So it's certainly something that, you know, that if we decide to run a lot of spin that week or that, that, that season, we know it. And it's not like it's new teaching, you know, and we want to make that a true package inside of our offense and vice versa. If it's something we don't want to run a lot that season or, or that uh, week, it's not like, you know, we think it's wasted time when we work on it. Or if we have a week that we don't run it a lot, we won't even work on it um, that our kids can get in and out of it um, really with little practice um, really on the fly. But then if, then we can add a lot of practice that if we know we're going to be doing it a lot, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Coach, how do you structure your practice to, you know, fully implement and install your offense? Is it something that, you know, you're, it's dependent upon the, the defense and what they're going to be doing to you on a given week? Or do you guys have a very structured and set uh, practice plan within your offense during the season? No, we are very, very structured. Um, typically our practice will start out with some sort of um, – team learn session where we're, we're, we're talking schemes that's typically about 15 minutes after that we always do something as a group and offense um you know so for example through our first you know four days of camp it's been all block progression you know so our wide receivers quarterbacks running backs linemen go through a a block circuit with all of our coaches working on a different phase of that then after that you know the big thing that we do um you know if, if you would watch us we have you know tons of different backfield sets and backfield actions whether we're, we're running what we call surf where we're going to you know fake it with the halfback and the quarterback will carry it on power almost like a typical power read um to you know the same type of action where the, the running back's going to carry it on power so we do what we call play timing where, where we're snapping the ball for 20 minutes every day and just going through the timing of our plays so we're we're really big on timing and uh you know the good thing is we have really good defenses typically at brookfield um central so you know, we're, our offense is going to get pretty good work against our defense. And, you know, we're still one of those programs that we go ones-on-ones live, um, you know, thud, you know, two or three times a week and, and, and expect our kids to hit in practice so they can develop that physicality that we're looking for. Shifting away from the X's and O's a little bit, Coach, you've, you've had several teams go to the state playoffs during your tenure, and most recently you guys were the runner-up in Division Two in Wisconsin. Uh, what has been the common characteristic that your teams have had, and do you cultivate those characteristics within your program? Um, you know, I think the you know the a couple big things that that are really big to our program is 
you know, number, number one, our, 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 our kids work really, really hard. And, um, uh, if, you know, when people come and see us in the weight room and, and how hard we work with our strength and our speed stuff, um, you know, winning's not an accident. Um, and, uh, you know, our kids really work hard to put themselves in position to be successful. I think a lot of people say their kids work really hard. And I think that, you know, I don't know many people say their kids don't work hard, but our kids, um, it's not lip service. I, I think you'd, you'd be hard find to find programs that work, work their kids as hard as we work ours and, and to have kids who buy into you know, that type of work ethic. You know, the second thing is our physicality of play. Um, you know, as, as a lot of people have went to, um, an offense and defense when people have went to, you know, the spread offenses and the speed on defense, you know, it, it's, it's w- when you're more physical than the team you play, that's a huge advantage. And there's very few fe- very few weeks, whether we win or lose that, that I don't think that we out hit the opponent that we played. Um, and, and our big thing is, is, um, you know, just the selfless, um, you know, caring about other people more than you care about yourself. Our, our program motto is me, you, us team. Um, you know, you is more important than me. Us is more important than you and team is more important than everything. And, uh, you know, we don't give out any individual awards at our postseason banquet. We don't do any, um, you know, players of the week. And, um, you know, we, for, for the first 10 years as a head coach, our, our kids didn't even talk to the media, um, because we thought that was a way as, as single kids were singled out. So it's just, you know, really buying into that, that team first attitude and really making that the cornerstone of everything that we do. We're in a time where players are having a difficult time commuting to football and doing various things, whether it be all the work and grind that is necessary to be good at it. And then also, you know, with other sports vying for their attention, how have you been able to keep your program numbers strong and infuse excitement within your program? You know, and we have been fortunate, you know, and actually our numbers here have grown, you know, for a school of our size, 1200 kids. And we have about 120 players out for football every year, nine through 12. Um, you know, I think the thing is, you know, the big thing that as I talk to coaches is a couple of things. It's, 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 I have to be different than I was back in 2005. You know, the days of, you know, I want you to play football because you want to play football and I'm not going to go beg you to play. I'm not going to beg anyone to play. That's, that's just not always, I mean, I don't beg kids to play, but I talk to them about playing. Um, you know, I think that, you know, you have to have coaches from different sports that work together. You know, for example, you know, if we have a kid that's a basketball player and a football player here, you know, I sit down with our high school basketball coach and we come up with our summer schedule. We make it so there's no um, conflicts between the two programs. So a kid has to say, should I go to football camp or should I go to basketball summer league? Um, we work that out ahead of time as adults so our kids don't have to make choices. And I think the, the, the last thing is, and I think this is a thing that we take great pride in, is, um, you know, as corny as it sounds, you have to have a program that, you know, kids want to feel valued in, you know, and whether they're the, they're the best player in the program or the worst player in your program, they feel wanted, they get coached up. Um, you know, the big thing that, you know, when I talk to, you know, or go watch other players, you know, the, the kid who's the, the, the seven string linebacker when he gets through, the kid just gets through the drill, gets back to the line, doesn't get coached up and the best kids are getting coached up. I tell our, I tell our coaches, you better coach the worst kid at your position just as hard in the same way that you coach the best kid. You know, and, and if kids know that they're loved and, and, and know that they're cared about, um, you know, they'll stay involved in your program. And I think that uh, our staff does a great job of doing that. And, uh, um, you know, I think that's one been one of the reasons why, as, as people across the country talk about, you know, numbers dipping in football, why we've been really able to um, weather that storm and, and, and keep solid numbers for a school our size. That's great stuff, Coach. 
uh, let's shift to just a little bit more about you. Um, what are some of your future goals within the coaching profession, and is there an ideal position, accomplishment, or level you'd eventually like to reach? You know, I really enjoy high school football. Um, I've had a couple opportunities through, you know, this is going into my, my 14th or 15th year as a head coach where the people said, have you ever thought about college or college? I just don't. Um, you know, the thing I love about high school football is that you really get to have your hand on every aspect of the program from, you know, the weight rooms run by me, um, you know, the, the fundraising is run by me and my coaches, the, you know, kind of everything. And, and I think that, you know, number one, um, you know, I love having that, um, you know, type of input on every level, you know, of our program. I think the second thing is that, you know, as, as, you know, we put in a lot of long hours in our program as coaches, but every night I'm back home, I get to get up and, you know, see my wife and my kids in the morning before, you know, they go to school and, and my wife goes to work where if, if, if in college, you know, there's guys that are on the road for five, six, seven, eight, nine days, you know, recruiting, that just doesn't interest me. And, uh, you know, I'm at a great situation right now and just, you know, kind of, um, you know, this is as good a place as there is in Wisconsin to coach and, uh, you know, really don't see any reason for myself to think about other positions or, or really even look for other positions. I bounced around a little bit um, early in my career. Some of those things, not my factor. My wife, um, my wife got laid off from her teaching position and we had to look, you know, obviously you can't make it on one teaching income, um, but uh, really in a good place right now. And uh, certainly happy with the level I'm doing. And, uh, you know, as the game changes, it's certainly enough to keep you motivated and keep you challenged. So. Coach, one of the things we do on this show as a tradition is we always ask one of our guests a, a question outside the box at the end. And, and the question that we always ask is that if you had a walk-up song as a professional baseball player or a professional wrestler, what would your walk-up sing, song be and tell us why? Well, I would probably have to say uh, Real American Hero. Number one, I grew up as a Hulkamaniac with Hulk Hogan. And I thought that was the coolest song anyone ever walked up into any sport um so i so for me i think it would be that uh like i said nothing because of anything with football just because i grew up a hulk hogan fan as a little kid and uh thought in the history of sports there's never been a better song to uh to uh, run out to or come up to if you found this podcast helpful please take the time to go and leave a review either on stitcher or itunes and let us know what you think